Hello everyone, this is Isabel Cortez, and welcome to another episode of Scary Stories for the Soul. There are places in this world that have seen so much pain and trauma that it taints the soil and changes the land forever. When blood is shed, when bodies are buried, the earth absorbs it all. It feeds off of it, so the next time that someone steps foot on that land, they know that something horrible happened there. Ask yourself, have you ever felt that feeling before? The feeling that something terrible has happened in that place that you are at and that you should leave and never look back. You don't know what happened, and nothing looks wrong or out of place, but your body is telling you to run. Poveglia Island, a small island located in the Venetian lagoon of northern Italy, is one of those places. It is an island that has a reputation for death and pain. A reputation so terror-inducing that the Italian government has prohibited visitation to the island and trespassing is punishable by jail time. It is also known as the most haunted island in the world. Poveglia Island is nestled between Venice and Lido and first appears in a historical record dating back to the year 421 when the people of Padua and Este fled to the island after, quote, barbarians invaded their homes. Slowly, Poveglia grew to become a pro- prosperous community of merchants and tradesmen, with generations of families living and dying on the island. War affected Poveglia once more, though, in 1379, when Venice came under attack and their battle bled over to the small island. As the genuine fleet grew closer and the battle became more bloody, the people of Poveglia were forced to leave their homes and take refuge on the island of Geodesa. Folklore surrounding the island states that some of the most vulnerable citizens of Poveglia were left behind to be killed by the invading army. For years, Poveglia stood uninhabited, but rumors of ghosts and restless spirits had already begun to form. People reported hearing the sounds of war emanating from the island. The cries of people being killed and tortured rang throughout the night, along with the sounds of cannon fire and the scent of gunpowder. In 1348, when the bubonic plague made its way to Venice, the tiny island of Poveglia was converted into a quarantine colony where the infected and dying were sent to spend the remainder of their days. If the Venetian government even suspected you of being sick or infected, you were sent to Poveglia to die. There were no doctors to treat the sick or resources available to make those who were dying more comfortable in their final days on the island. Poveglio was a dumping ground. Mass graves were dug and no last rites were performed for those who were dying slowly and painfully. When space to bury the dead became more and more limited, a giant pyre was built in the center of the island where bodies could be burned. It is said that officials responsible for burning the dead did not care whether you were dead or close to death, thus resulting in people being burned alive. Poveglia would be touched by the plague again when the Black Death of 1630 spread throughout Italy. 
again, the then-abandoned island of Poveglia was turned into a quarantine station for the sick and dying, and the funerary pyres burned brightly once more. Anywhere from 100,000 to 160,000 infected people were buried and burned on the island. Plague pits, mass graves dug for the disposal of bodies, littered the grounds, and the island itself was so saturated by human bone and ash that reportedly 50% of the soil found on the island still consists of human remains. In 1805, Napoleon Bonaparte took advantage of the ghost stories surrounding Poveglia Island and used it as a place to store weapons and gunpowder away from his enemies. Many small battles were fought there, once again bringing war to the island and adding to its already insurmountable body count. In 1814, Napoleon unexpectedly left the island and never returned. For more than a hundred years, the island stood abandoned. After so many years of death and anguish, Poveglia solidified its status as a haunted island. The citizens of Venice and Lido would report seeing the glow of fire coming from Poveglia. It seems as though the funerary pyres that burned so brightly for years were still burning. The scent of burnt flesh and disease regularly wafted from the island, and although travel to Poveglia wasn't yet prohibited, Nobody in their right minds would set foot on what was known as cursed soil. In 1922, an asylum was built on the island with the intent of housing the elderly and those who could no longer care for themselves. Soon, the institution turned into a dumping ground for the mentally ill, criminally insane, and emotionally disturbed. The facility was overcrowded, lacked the resources needed to truly rehabilitate its patients, and was run by staff that did not have the training or patience necessary to deal with the kinds of people that inhabited the walls of the asylum. Acts of torture, violence from staff, and invasive medical experiments were reported from the island. Nurses were attacked by patients and other staff members, and people mysteriously died almost weekly. It is also said that any number of persons who were deemed unruly or going against the social norm were sent to Poveglia so that they would not taint normal society. This means that people with Down syndrome or bipolar disorder, or even people outed as homosexuals and women who rebelled against their abusive spouses, were sent to Poveglia Island and housed with other violent and criminally insane patients. The head surgeon of the island was a fierce and intimidating man whose name has been stricken from many of the hospital records. He was infamous for taking patients from their beds in the middle of the night and experimenting on them for his enjoyment and fascination. He would perform unnecessary surgeries such as amputations and lobotomies and was also known for harassing the female nurses and patients. Slowly, staff began to realize that the doctor was going more and more mad. He was seen walking the grounds, talking to himself, and shouting at invisible people. He would often swat the air and roam empty rooms, having hushed conversations with people that no one else could see. Nobody knew what was happening to him. Some assumed that the stress of the job was beginning to take its toll, but others theorized that the spirits of the patients who he had killed with his experimentation were haunting him and making him lose his mind. 
Finally, in the 1930s, a nurse noticed the doctor walking up the stairs of the bell tower that stood on the grounds of the asylum. Noticing that he was crying and shouting to himself, the nurse followed him up to the bell tower. When she made it to the top, she found the doctor standing close to an open window, staring down and asking for forgiveness from someone in the room. She tried to get him to back away from the edge, but right before she was able to reach out and grab him, he fell to his death. People say that his guilty conscience drove him to jump off, but the unnamed nurse who followed him up reported that it looked like someone, or something, had pushed him off the edge. Did the spirits of his tortured patients finally exact their revenge on the hellish doctor? Or did the fear of jail time for his medical crimes drive him to take his own life? Regardless, the spirit of the demon doctor joined the ranks of the many hundreds of thousands of spirits that inhabit Poveglia. In 1975, the mental asylum finally closed its doors, and although multiple attempts from the Italian government have come through to build hotels and resorts on the island, nothing has ever come to fruition. Businessmen and horror enthusiasts have tried to buy the island throughout the years and have also been unsuccessful. Since then, the island has been uninhabited and visitation has been made illegal. There are no public tours available to see the ruins of Poveglia, and the only way to get there is to hire a boatman who will transport you there illegally. Although these boatmen are very clear that they will not go there at night, and if you are, they will not stay after sunset. They will leave you behind and come back to get you in the morning. Poveglia's history is fraught with death, murder, disease, torment, and anguish. The spirits of plague victims, war victims, and asylum patients call the island home and are not fond of visitors. Those who have made it to the island reportedly hear the screaming and crying of women and children, and voices within the grounds of the abandoned asylum. People also occasionally find bones and old medical equipment littering the ground. The bell tower that rang out every passing hour for the asylum is now dilapidated and rotting, though people can still hear, supposedly, its bell tolling at night. The most dangerous spirit that roams the island is that of the deranged surgeon who plummeted to his death. He is reportedly not shy to touch, scratch, or push travelers, and multiple stories have been told of him temporarily possessing people. All of this has yet to deter ghost hunters and paranormal enthusiasts from trying to get to the island and see what horrors they can witness. The story you're about to hear is the story of a woman who went to Poveglia as a skeptic and left as a believer and a victim of the ghosts that haunt that dreadful place. Giovanna sat staring at her computer screen, begging her brain to work. She had a deadline that was looming closer on the horizon and had so far written nothing. As the youngest contributor to L'Oracolo, the Oracle, a successful pop culture magazine in Lido, Italy, there was a lot of pressure on her to write something good. And not just good, great. 
something that would show people that she meant business. She was a keeper. She was worth the risk it took to hire her. But right now, her mind was blank. Maybe she shouldn't have taken the assignment to write something scary for the upcoming Halloween issue. There was a lot of pressure on her to write something attention-grabbing, and if she was being completely honest with herself, she never much believed in the paranormal and had no idea what to write. She had only taken the assignment as a means to prove herself to her crotchety editor. Hey, her roommate Anna said, holding her tablet in her hands. I think I found a solution to your problems. Anna had been her friend since college, and it helped that she was a firm believer in the weird and supernatural. The crystal she wore around her neck clinked together as she sat down on Giovanna's bed. What do you know about Paveglia Island? She asked enthusiastically. Giovanna cracked her knuckles and stretched her legs under her desk. Not much. I know that there used to be a hospital on the grounds. My mother said her aunt was sent there after her husband died. She had a nervous breakdown and had to be institutionalized. Well, that's not all, her friend said, scrolling on her tablet. Twice, the island has been used to quarantine and burn victims of the plague. Supposedly, they used to burn the bodies in these huge pyres that people could see burning from the shores. And sometimes, they would send people who weren't even sick. If you were being a nuisance or, like, coughing too much and making people uncomfortable, they would send you to Paveglia. Like, half of the soil is supposed to be human ash. And that hospital you were talking about? It was a mental institution. It was originally meant to house the sick and the elderly, but obviously that didn't happen. They just started sending anyone that society couldn't or wouldn't deal with. Murderers slept in the same room as people with depression and anxiety. There was rampant abuse, but no one ever said anything. Finally, the head surgeon, or like chief medical doctor or something, threw himself off the tower and a full investigation was finally done on the place. Oh my god! Giovanna said with a hand over her mouth. My aunt lived there for years and no one ever said anything about that. Well, they wouldn't have. The whole place is shrouded in mystery. Supposedly, the doctor was notorious for experimenting on the patients and people say he was either pushed off by the ghosts of the people he killed with all his experiments or he just lost his mind and threw himself off because he was afraid to go to prison. Did your parents ever say anything about how your aunt was afterwards? Well, she had a lobotomy, so I can't imagine she did very well. Anna's eyes went wide with curiosity. It was 1937, Giovanna clarified. Back then, they thought a lobotomy could fix everything. She was lobotomized, stayed at the hospital for another two years, and then my grandmother went to go get her. The doctors told her that my aunt was cured, so they brought her home. An awkward silence stretched between the two young women. Okay, Do you need me to spell this out for you? Anna said exasperated. Go to Poveglia. Write your story. Make big money. Get lots of recognition. Giovanna grabbed the tablet from her friend's hands and started scrolling through the featured article. It says here that the island is a no trespassing zone. It's literally illegal. Okay, plenty of journalists have spent at least one night in prison chasing a story. That article also says that most ferrymen on the canal will take you for the right price. Giovanna mulled the prospect over in her head. It had the makings of a really good story. She wasn't exactly a believer in the supernatural, but she also didn't make a habit out of sticking her nose up at it. 
Her philosophy was respect above everything else, so she wasn't going to go out of her way to accidentally or purposefully disrespect something that she didn't understand just for a story. She came up with a plan. She would go to Paveglia, walk around, take a few pictures, maybe hold a seance and see what comes through, then bolt back to shore and write her article from the safety of her own home. From her bed, she emailed her editor with a story idea. His reply came quickly and in capital letters. Just don't get caught. Be careful. The island is not a place to play with things that you don't understand. Creepy, she noted, and turned off the lights to go to sleep. The following morning, Giovanna went out in search of a ferryman who would take her out to Poveglia. She was surprised at just how right Anna had been. It took her less than 10 minutes to convince someone to take her. The average ferry ride was about 120 euros for a private tour, so with the man with the faded Cindy Lauper concert t-shirt charged her 160 euros, she tried not to look so offended. She knew it was an upcharge for aiding and abetting in her illegal activities. She handed over the money and climbed on board. Are you going alone? The man asked her, as if he was worried. He started up the boat but kept looking around. He had a strange look in his eyes. Yes, she replied hesitantly. He kept looking around, avoiding Giovanna's eyesight, and she was afraid that he had changed his mind about taking her when he finally said, Okay, and kicked them loose from the dock. The boat ride to Poveglia was shorter than she had expected. Before she knew it, the looming island sat in her view. It was smaller than she expected, with the asylum taking up most of the grounds, but that didn't make it any less ominous looking. She had the feeling that even if someone came upon it with no idea of its history, they would still be creeped out by the spit of land. Some say that on foggy nights, the bell can be heard ringing, the ferryman said, pointing towards the tower. It is customary that if you ever hear the bell tolling at night, you take a moment of silence for those who are trapped on the island, unable to move on and meet their families in heaven. She looked towards the tower and felt a wave of nervousness wash over her. The small boat made its way towards a crumbling dock on the island's edge. It looked recently made, but definitely not taken care of, almost as if it had been made in secret. Signorina, the ferryman said as Giovanna disembarked. It is currently 2 p.m. The sun sets at 7.30 tonight. You must be back here at exactly 7 p.m. Scusami, I'm sorry, but I will not wait for you. We must not be here after dark. The sound of fright in the man's voice sent a shiver down her spine. She looked down at her shoes and at the dirt she was stepping in. Anna's words rang in her head. 50% of the soil is human ash. Capisco, signore. I understand, sir, she replied and watched him drive away. Even if she didn't encounter anything, she didn't want to spend any extra time here that she didn't have to. Before she had left home, Giovanna had scoured the internet for any maps of Poveglia. She didn't want to end up getting lost or tripping over anything and hurting herself. There had been half-finished building projects done throughout the island over the years, and she didn't want to bust her face open on any structures or leftover equipment. Through one obscure haunted travel website, she was able to find someone who had traveled to Poveglia and mapped out the entire island over a period of seven days. 
The author of the article had specified that they had never stayed past sunset, never taken anything off the island, and did not advise people to visit the island, although they themselves had done it. She unfolded the printed out map and began to follow the trail before her. The grounds themselves didn't look too terrible and didn't render much to be seen. She would have to fluff up the piece with details about overgrown roots, mangled plants, and ominous vibes. She did, on, however, on occasion, see bones sticking out of the earth, but she didn't want to risk touching actual human bones or infected animal bones, so she snapped a picture with her professional camera and kept moving. It was still light out and the summer sun was shining brighter than usual, but even still, Giovanna felt uncomfortable. She passed a stone structure that read, Nefundias Vita Functi Contagio Requiest, 1738. It read, Do not dig. The contagious dead rest here. It was a marker commemorating all those souls who had died and were burned during the time of the plague on the island. Suddenly, a vision flashed before her eyes. A man and his wife being separated, her fingernails digging into his arm, begging the hooded and beaked men to not take her husband. The men ushering him forward and pushing him into a burning pyre. Children huddled together, siblings, the tallest one asking people passing by if they had seen their mother. People laying on the damp soil, bodies covered in sores, shallow breaths coming out of two thin chests, waiting to die. Giovanna shook her head clear. Whoa, she said. She bent down and rested a hand on the marker, trying to catch her breath, when another vision overtook her. Boats being guided into Poveglia, a stampede of infected people being ushered off. Confusion, panic, missing loved ones and terrified people. Men and women falling into the water, throwing themselves off, trying to swim back to Venice when they see the burning funerary pyres. Massive graves being dug, bodies piled on top of each other. The beak-masked men tossing them in like rag dolls and sprinkling them with a white substance. Jesus, no! Giovanna cried out and whipped her hand off the marker. All those poor people. All those lives lost. She ran as fast as she could away from the marker and towards the asylum. When she finally made her way there, she opened the heavy wooden doors and looked around at what once was the lobby. She pulled out her camera and tried to take it all in, but her hands were shaking. The walls were peeling and crumbling, with some places sporting walls so large you could see into the adjoining rooms. There was broken glass littering the floor and busted windows where ivory and vines were creeping up the walls. As she walked around from room to room, she jotted down quick finds that she noted as unsettling. There were chairs set up in a circle in one room, with burned-out candles and a Ouija board resting in the middle. There were iron patient beds, stripped of all comfort, lined neatly against walls in what she could only assume used to be patient rooms. As she snapped picture after picture, a voice in her head was telling her to get to the tower. Get to the tower. Get to the tower, it repeated in her brain. She shook her head and tried to erase the voice. It felt invasive. Looking down at her map, she noticed a small note written in a corner. The stairs that lead to the top of the bell tower are collapsed and inaccessible. 
but Poveglia has a way of showing us the things that it wants us to see. What could that mean? She followed the map to where the stairs to the bell tower should have been, and yes, they were collapsed and usable. A sense of relief and exasperation washed over her. Part of her wanted to go up to the bell tower, if only just to prove to herself that she was being ridiculous. She was obviously letting the ghost stories get to her head. But a much larger part of her was warning that whatever was up there was not something she wanted to meet. She had already experienced one freaky encounter. Who knows what going up to the bell tower would do to her? She looked down at her watch and noted the time. 5 p.m. No, that wasn't right. There was no way she had spent more than an hour walking to the asylum and touring the rooms. How was it already 5 p.m.? She was losing the daylight, and something in her thought that Poveglia was doing it on purpose. Looking at the map, she traced a line from her current location to the main operating room used by the supposed mad doctor. That was as good a place as any to set up her makeshift seance. If she had the guts to do it anyway. She quickly navigated her way there, stopping by random room to take pictures and jot down notes of the ambiance. She didn't know why, but Giovanna was getting nauseous. There was a pounding in her head that wouldn't go away. It was the craziest thing, but she could have sworn she could hear the sounds of electricity buzzing from somewhere ahead. It sounded like a live wire crackling and popping on the ground. Her feet carried her slowly towards the room, and when she set foot in the doctor's operating room, a vision washed over her once again. She was standing to the side of an examination table. Two nurses were standing by the bed with their arms folded neatly behind their backs while they watched the doctor on duty operate on a patient. But this wasn't a simple operation that they were witnessing. The patient, a young woman, with her golden hair done in ringlets and spilling by the sides of her head, was strapped down. She wore a dirty patient gown and was barefoot. Her hands were tied with padded straps which she occasionally tugged. As Giovanna stepped forward to get a better look, the doctor raised a small hammer he had in his hands and landed a deft blow to the ice pick he had leveled at the corner of the patient's eye. The ice pick entered the corner of her eye with a sickening squish and the young woman stopped fighting against the restraints. The nurses applauded the doctor and Giovanna stepped forward in shock with the full intent to free the girl, but when she got to her, there was nothing on the table. She looked around and was surrounded by decay and debris. The patient's table stood in the middle of the room with nothing but empty restraints and a rusted frame. The light that was positioned overhead had no cord or light bulb and was rusted and scaling. She spun around the room, trying to bring back the vision that had overtaken her, but nothing happened. She placed her hands on the flimsy, soiled mattress and noticed her hands felt damp. When she lifted her palm, she noticed a slight red stain. Let it be rust, she thought to herself as she tried to scrub the stains off of her clothes. But then she looked down again, and it was as if the red spot on the mattress had grown in size, saturating the threadbare stuffing and dripping onto the floor. In a moment of disgust and overwhelming fright, Giovanna doubled over and vomited beside the bed. She ran out of the room and into the hallway where she tried to catch her breath, but her mind was reeling. The island was trying to show her things. 
visions of its painful and bloody past. But why her? She had read dozens of people's travel blogs, people who had supposedly made it to Poveglia and encountered ghosts and spirits, but no one had ever experienced what she was experiencing now. Why was this happening to her? Was it because she was a skeptic? A non-believer? Did they want to show her how real they were? Fuck this article, she said, putting away her map and her camera in her bag. As she was turning to leave, her ears perked up and caught the sound of something not too far away. It sounded like whistling. Whistling and the clicking of heels on the floor. They were coming down the dark hallway that stretched out before her. At first, a wave of real, tangible fear washed over her. She wasn't supposed to be on the island. She hadn't even googled whether or not there were police officers stationed on the island to keep the riffraff away. What if she got arrested? Screw the ghost! She didn't want an arrest record! No, no, no! She wanted to run and hide, but the only place she could go was back to the room she had just been in, and there was no way she was heading back in there. She pressed her back against the wall as hard as she could and willed herself to be invisible. As the whistling and the stepping became louder, the lights that were mounted on the hallway ceiling sparked to life. Long fluorescent light bulbs, which hadn't seen power in decades, powered on, sending a shower of sparks raining down on the hallway and on Giovanna. She covered her head, and with each step that progressed her way, the lights turned on and the whistling grew louder and louder. Giovanna shut her eyes tightly and covered her ears with her hands. She was scared. She had never been so terrified in her entire life. Her heart was pounding so loudly that it felt like it was going to burst out of her chest, and then the whistling stopped. The heels stopped clicking. Giovanna ventured a look as she opened her eyes, and before her stood a woman in a stained white nurse's uniform. Her stockings were torn and shredded, exposing bloodied knees. Her dress was stained with yellow and red blotches, and there were buttons missing. Her skin looked almost green, as if she had been rotting for some time but hadn't quite finished the process. But her eyes were wide and alive. Her left eye had a large pupil which engulfed the majority of what looked like a cerulean blue iris. But her right eye was the same beautiful shade of blue, with the pupil inside dilating frantically, as if trying to adjust to an ever-changing light. Her red lipstick was smeared throughout her face, and when she opened her mouth to smile, Giovanna noticed that many of her teeth were either missing or broken off, jutting out in odd angles as if she had fallen on concrete and landed on her mouth. Giovanna was dumbstruck. The woman she was looking at couldn't be real. She couldn't be. The doctor will see you now, the phantom nurse said in a sickly sweet voice, and before she had the chance to run, the nurse placed a hand over Giovanna's forehead and she saw nothing but black. It was only when she felt the cold sea spray hit her face that she realized she was facing a window. Giovanna opened her eyes and squinted as they adjusted to the twilight sky. She was standing in front of a broken window someplace high. Either hand was clutching the remnants of the window frame and she was balancing precariously on a broken chair, dangerously close to the window's ledge. A loud bell rang from somewhere very close to her and she realized where she was. 
the bell tower. The same bell tower she had tried to find a way to get to when she was on the ground but found the way destroyed. How did I get up here? Then her mind flashed. The nurse. She had brought her up there. What had she said? The doctor will see you now? Funny how things appear to us, isn't it? A male voice said from behind her. Giovanna's body was racked with tremors. She trembled so hard she almost lost her balance on the rickety chair she was standing on. She turned her body ever so slightly to see light reflecting off of two points in a shadowy corner of the bell tower. They were like pinpricks of light resembling eyes. And then someone stepped forward, and she noticed it was a bespectacled man. A doctor. His body was covered in dirt and dust and blood-stained his once-white lab coat and tan pants. He wore a white button-down shirt that was molded over and stained. His hands were bleeding and raw, and he was missing several fingernails on each hand. His face looked like he could have been handsome at some point in time, but now his nose was broken and bent. One cheekbone burst out from under the swollen skin of his face, and he had a bloody hole where his right ear should have been. But it was his scalp that Giovanna couldn't stop looking at. His scalp was black and bloody, dripping blood down his neck and shoulders. When he turned slightly to face the adjacent window, she noticed that the back of his head was flat, and Giovanna could see pieces of missing scalp and bone exposing putrid brain matter underneath. He was either pushed off by the spirits of his victims, or he just lost his mind and threw himself. Anna's voice rang in her head. The doctor. The mad surgeon. Have you ever seen a more pitiful sight? The doctor asked. Giovanna funneled his gaze outside, and in the diminishing light she saw thousands upon thousands of men, women, and children standing around the island, looking up at them in the tower. Some of them were half-burned, their charred bodies painful to look at. Others were covered in boils and lesions, the plague victims of Poveglia. Others were wearing hospital gowns and patients' clothing, their faces scarred, bodies bruised, bones broken and reset in odd angles, the doctor's victims. And others sported large bullet wounds and open gashes on their necks, stomachs, and faces many with entrails and organs spilling out. The victims of war. Their vacant eyes all looked up at her, their bodies reduced to nothing more than pain and wounds. Thousands of them. Far off in the distance, towards the center of the island, she could see the flames of a funerary pyre burning bright. Their mouths moved in rapid unison, and she could hear in her head each and every one of their voices. Help us. End the pain. End the nightmare. End our suffering. And Giovanna's heart broke, because she knew that she couldn't. Pathetic what the body is reduced to after death, is it not? The doctor asked her. She looked over at him with hot tears running down her cheeks. You did this to them. They're only down there because of you. All for science, my dear. All for the thrill of discovery. Besides, not all of them are mine, he said with a smile that split his lips apart. They wait for me here every night. They wait for me to take my little jump. I see them that night, and I saw them every night, you know. I had been living with their infernal chattering for weeks and weeks. 
their filthy voices were polluting my beautiful mind. Finally, I made my way up here. All I wanted was some fresh air, and then I looked down, and there they were. All of them, staring up at me like the mangy puppy that follows you home from the supermarket. Miserable, meager things. I even debased myself by asking for their forgiveness. Can you imagine? Someone like me begging those things for forgiveness. And then suddenly, I felt a push from behind and I went plunging down. But I don't join their ranks. No, I'm cursed. Every day I make my way back up here, and every night I fall off. Every night I feel the pain all over again. My bones breaking, my head splitting open. All of it. Good, Giovanna said as strongly as she could. Good for both of us, dear, the doctor said with a snicker. Because tonight... I have a companion. Tonight, you will be taking this little leap with me. Giovanna felt her body move uncontrollably. Her legs began to step onto the window's ledge. The doctor's movements reflected her own. She looked over at him, petrified, and he smiled his terrible smile at her. See you down there, he laughed, and she felt her body let go but she didn't make it down before another voice cut through the spell. A man's voice, shouting. No! he yelled and grabbed her by the arm. She fell back to the floor of the tower and noticed the ferryman from earlier in the evening, the one who had driven her to the island. Back, spiritu sporco! Back, filthy spirit! he yelled into the darkness repeatedly. Giovanna noticed two yellow eyes retreat back into their ever-growing shadows. Before she could thank him for saving his life, though, the ferryman grabbed her by the arm and ran out of the tower. We must leave before the sun finishes setting, he yelled back at her. They ran down the stairs that had only a few hours been destroyed. She could see the last rays of the sun setting. They made their way out of the asylum, but all around them the spirits of Poveglia watched as they ran. Some stretched out their hands to them as if begging to be saved. Others watched in anger, envious of their escape. But it was the children that struck her. There were so many small children, their eyes sunken, endless pools of sadness. The ferryman jumped from the dock and onto his boat, sitting Giovanna firmly down beside him. He started up his boat and the engine caught, turning and turning but not starting. He frantically watched the sunset as he tried and tried again, beads of sweat forming on his brow. Desperately, he kicked the boat and it started up, and they made their escape just as the sun set on the island. They were surrounded by dark water, with the lights of Lido ahead of them. Giovanna took one last look behind her at Poveglia and watched as the flames of a pyre burned brightly. When Giovanna got back to Lido, the ferryman docked his boat and took her by the hand. Tonight, you were very lucky, he said softly. How did you know where to find me? she asked. When you did not show at the dock, I knew something was wrong. You seem like a smart young woman. You would not have missed me on purpose. Yes, but that doesn't answer my question. The ferryman looked out into the distance, not able to meet Giovanna's gaze. 
My mother was a patient at the asylum, he said softly. She went in a beautiful and headstrong woman and came out a shell of a human. My father sent her because she was unruly, he added in air quotes. He died shortly after she returned. She was never the same after being in that place. One day, I mustered the courage to ask her what had happened to her at the asylum, and she told me all manner of horrible things. I wish to God that place would burn down and that the sea would swallow it whole. It is an evil place. I couldn't let it eat another person up. Giovanna hugged the man tightly. Thank you, she wept. He returned the hug and paid for a taxi to take her home. Giovanna wrote her article, but left out a large majority of what had happened to her there. She was afraid that sharing her full tale would entice people to visit the island. Her editor loved it, but she didn't care. After the story was published, she quit and began working at a more serious newspaper a week later. She never lost touch with the ferryman who saved her life, visiting him often at the docks and soothing his guilty conscience for taking her to Poveglia in the first place. She dreamt of the island often and of the horrors that took place there. That was her own wound from Poveglia that would never heal. Poveglia Island is proof that some places are meant to be abandoned. They are meant to stand alone in the darkness, uninhabited and lonely. Only the most daring of devils take the risk of stepping foot on the island, and many of them leave worse for the rare. Please remember that just because you leave a place doesn't always mean that the place leaves you. Thank you for taking this haunted journey with me today. This is only the first in a special series of stories I am telling you all to get us ramped up and ready for Halloween. Don't forget to tune in next Friday when I share with you all the bloody story of Elizabeth Bathory, the Blood Countess. If you want to hear more myths, legends, and scary stories, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. Until next time. <laughs>